0: Welcome to the next episode of the Austin Bar Association's Council of Firsts. I'm your host Amanda Ariaga, First Latina Bar President. This podcast is made possible by the Texas Bar Foundation. In today's episode, we talk to Liz Cantu, Chair of the State Bar of Texas Women in the Law Section. Liz graduated from St. Mary's University of Law and has worked in my hometown of McAllen since 1999. Liz is a member at Ramon Worthington Nicholas and Cantu PLLC. She's been named a Texas Rising Star by Super Lawyers Texas Monthly Magazine is a past president of the Hidalgo County Bar Association Women's Bar Section, a member of the National Association of Minority and Women-Owned Law Firms, member of the Defense Research Institute, and she currently serves as chair of the State Bar of Texas Women in the Law Section. The mission of the Women in the Law Section is to A. Encourage and facilitate the active and effective participation of women, both in the legal profession and the community, and B. To address women's current needs and the issues affecting them. I'm so happy to have with me today, Liz Contu. Thank you so much for having me. What a nice intro. Thanks for being here. I'm thrilled to have you. Um, my first question yes. is a little bit about geography. You were born in Chicago, Yes. raised in Irving, went to college in California, law school in San Antonio, and now you work in the Valley. So true. why did you want to be a lawyer and how did you get to McAllen? So it, a, a multitude
1: of reasons. I think that um, when little girls grow up, And at least in my family and probably very culturally, um, the debate part of my personality, the talking back part of my personality, depending on which parent I was talking back to, was either talking back or was evidence of what a great attorney I was going to be because I could defend the position I was taking. So I think that my dad always harbored some deep desire for me to be a lawyer. I thought I was going to be a psychologist and I studied psychology at Santa Clara. In my uh, senior year, my dad said, you know, I, I really think you need to go into law. He said, and besides, I think you'll make more money. So um, I was kind of late to the game. I very last minute applied for and took the LSAT and I applied to two schools, Santa Clara University and to St. Mary's School of Law got into St. Mary's and I told my mom, you know, I think I'm going to go there, send my deposit. She did not think twice, didn't wait 12 hours, sent that deposit and said, you're coming back because if you don't, we lose you forever to California. And again, I think very culturally, Hispanic families want to keep their kids close. And so she knew I probably would never come back to the Dallas area, but San Antonio was close enough.
0: And so I started at St. Mary's. and so. You left law school, graduated, um, and you ended up in the Valley, which is none of these other places you had been. How is that where you found your career?
1: <laughs> I tell the story, and I'm going to say it, whether you keep it in or not, but I, <laughs> because of a boy. I mean, really, quite frankly, I was dating um, a guy my second year of law school who, was, who had family in the Valley. His parents were in the Valley. I had never been, had never heard of it. Didn't know where it was, didn't have a friend, a family member, or a soul I knew. But I interviewed with Edmundo Ramirez, um, who has since passed, but just this powerhouse attorney who was so impressive to me. Um, And to see this Hispanic male who carried himself the way that he did, who was offering me a job. I didn't know a lawyer. I didn't have lawyers in my family. And it was a great salary. He said, listen, I'm willing to pay you a moving bonus to come down. And I talked to my parents and said, I'd like to give it a shot. So after I took the bar, I moved down. And it's really one of those moments where you're almost a little sad for yourself because they move you in so quickly. And then they turn around and leave. So here you are in this brand new city. You don't know a soul. And the same thing had happened at Santa Clara. They had dropped me off and left the same day. Didn't know a soul. Very character forming. Because really, it's in those moments that you're saying, suck it up. You're an adult. This is what it is. You've got to go make a living. You've got your license. Go do it. Um, And day one, I meet my husband, who is a real estate attorney at that firm. Uh, So we worked on a family law case together. We got engaged six weeks later and married five months later. And March will be 24 years. So
0: you went for a boy, but then stayed for a different boy. Yes.
1: (laughs) That's great. Yes, (laughs) I tell him, we're very lucky that I wasn't crazy. (laughs) I mean, I'm crazy, but not that crazy. Mm -hmm. Not like, you know, uh, you have to call the police kind of crazy. But it really is the old adage, when you know, you know.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And he's the kindest person I know. And he does what I do. So sometimes it works for people. Sometimes it doesn't. For us, it has worked because there is never going to be a time that he can't appreciate the difficulty of a day. I'm in the same boat. I'm here, quite frankly, because he believes so much in what we do at our firm. Um, to speak, to give, to become part of an organization, part of a community that is so much greater than I am. And after 24 years of practice, I feel this deep need to do it that I didn't feel when I was a young lawyer. I didn't really care about the legal community and how it affected others or what I could do to affect change. But I believe and need it so deeply now as
0: I'm in my 24th year of practice that here I am sitting with you. And so tell us, so you feel the need to give back and the way you're giving back is by being head of the State Bar of Texas Women in the Law section. Um, There are many different women's organizations. So I want to know why is this particular one so important to you? I love this organization
1: for what it does for practicing female attorneys. I think that there are so many unsung heroes um, and, and that's not to say that there aren't in every profession, every career and every job, because I really believe I don't care what you do for a living done well, every job is stressful, every job carries its challenges. But this particular organization it is this community of women who don't sit and wallow about how difficult life is for them, but really are looking to what they can do to be resources for other women who maybe don't have the sisterhood that we have. because. We do get together once a month to have our meetings. We get together to have our socials. We host events and, and they become they become friends. You care about them outside of it. But the idea that we can come together once a month to figure out together what we can do for others, because I am so excited when I think about the state bar and when I think about the sections, it's ridiculous how excited I get. It almost seems disingenuous and it isn't. I love it so much so that I get to, at this point, chair the committee of this group that gets to go out and put together newsletters, reach out to women, bring them into the section and onto the board to do things they would never do feeds me. Like it really feeds my soul. It makes me happy to be a part of it. I don't know about other organizations and maybe I would feel just as happy, but I love that it's the merger between female attorneys, the lives they're leading and how they can be better at work and better in
0: their homes. Well, the unique thing for your organization is you are tied to the state bar. Yes. So there has been a lot of discussion um, in courts recently about DEI and yes. whether DEI is something sh- that should be state mandated, have state funding attached to it. Is there any concern about this emphasis on DEI as it relates to your section? As chair of the section,
1: we get a lot of feedback, obviously, from the state bar. and. It- I understand what the courts have said. I have to tell you that I don't feel concerned about what it means for our section because our section does and acts in ways that are germane to the practice of law, that do advance the legal services that female attorneys are providing to members of the community. And the courts have been clear to say, Where it is the improvement, um, the practice of law, we just wanna make sure that what a mandatory bar provides to its lawyers are things related to those topics. That's exactly what we do. When we put out newsletters, we wanna help our female lawyers practice. We wanna help give them information about laws as they develop. We wanna help them network because, again, it is germane to the provision of legal services to have women in roles. Um, I think that you reach broader circles of clients. I think that there are areas that we are sometimes uniquely qualified and and or um, better simply because of the experiences that we bring. And that applies to almost all, if not all of the sections that we have. So I really don't share concerns. I welcome that there's been clarity and we're lawyers. If anybody's going to figure out how to do it, we're going to figure out how to do it. And that's exactly how we're approaching it now.
0: Well, I'm glad. So audience, you do not need to be scared to join this section. There's nothing scary about lady lawyers. Right. So please let us know, how can we get involved with the section?
1: Okay. So if you are a member of the State Bar of Texas, you can join the Women in the Law section for $25. And we roll out newsletters. We try to put them out quarterly. Like I said, we have social and networking events, CLEs that are monthly. So you get 10 months. I'm sorry. Yeah. So 10 months of one hour long CLEs. So almost your entire year for $25, you have access to the CLEs that are saved on our website. So you can go back. Um, You can volunteer. You can submit your name to be on the committee. We are always looking to make sure that the committee is reflective of where our female attorneys are at the time. Um, And if if all you want to do is volunteer for certain events, if you want to volunteer to speak, We welcome anybody who wants more information, who just wants to have that sisterhood. We are there. You don't even have to join the committee. Just become a member and reach out to me. Reach out to anybody who's on the council. And I'll promise you that we're going to make every effort to make sure that you connect with someone. And if nothing, you leave feeling like there is another person in in the legal profession in Texas on the state bar who cares and who will help. So I I hope that everybody
0: does take a minute to learn more about us and to join us. We'll put information in our podcast notes so that they can reach out to you or somebody on your council um, and get information about joining. Thank you so much. Um, So tell us about this upcoming International Women's Day event. What should we expect?
1: So last year we started this event because as we were brainstorming, we wanted to provide an opportunity again for sisterhood. It is really easy to say you're a member of a, of a section and to get an email here and there. But there is nothing like live human communication, especially post-COVID. So we thought if we could have one event simultaneously across the state of Texas, how fantastic would it be to know that you have 100 or 200 or 300 other women who were doing the very same thing that you were doing at the very same moment? So we had 13 cities uh, who participated and it, it's always on March the 8th because that is the day that it celebrated. We all wear purple because that's the color of International Women's Day. And so this year again, it falls on obviously August, uh, March the 8th, and it is from 1130 to 1 in most cities. It's the Friday before spring break. So I know that it is challenging for people who are already planning um, trips with their kids, but I hope that you can join us. And what we do is we're going to provide a 30minute CLE again, making sure that the component is met, that we are providing learning opportunities, CLE credit. We're going to have speakers that touch on matters that are relevant to law, whether it's a judge, whether it is a member of the community. So you will have opportunities to meet and mingle with them as well as other members. And and obviously it's not limited to members of women in the law in terms of attendance. The CLE credit is, But it's just a fantastic opportunity to celebrate what makes us unique, what makes us diverse, and to meet other people, decide if there are organizations locally and at the state level that you want to join. Um, And so I hope that you can come out and join us. We're going to be posting flyers on our Instagram and Facebook and on our website that will list each of the cities that's participating, the locations, and the time.
0: Wonderful. We'll link to that also because this will air well in advance so that folks have time. To listen get to know you and fall in love with you as I have and then <laughs> so um, join this great section and be part of your event thank you um so now a question that is not it's just for you personally okay. it's not on behalf of the state bar it's not on behalf of your firm you've seen a lot do you think now with what you have seen in terms of um working with women working with minorities that the legal community is doing better at getting more diverse or being interested in dei principles
1: my experience has been yes to that our firm takes so seriously the idea of sending that ladder back down um we are majority women owned we are majority minority owned and we constantly look for opportunities to bring in not just females but lawyers of other backgrounds who are minorities in our area in South Texas, right? Because Hispanics are the majority. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't make us diverse um, to bring in people who are exactly like us. So we have uh, had a few pipeline programs that our firm has been involved in to try to reach potential law students at the high school level. We have worked with law students because. As they leave the valley, as you know, the pool is larger cities. Mm-hmm. A lot of our youth find the smaller communities tough because they love the appeal of what a big city has to offer. And so it's been very, it's challenging for the law firms in South Texas to bring our young people back. So we definitely try not only to bring them back, but to reach out. We have reached out to law schools in other states um, and have interviewed students because that's really what has to happen. So in the organizations that I've been involved in and that my partners have been involved in, we put our money where our mouth is and we really make our firm an available partner. If we can't provide something that a law student is looking for, we do reach out to others to tout that we have, um, you know, talented young attorneys or attorneys-to-be who need mentors I think that it is definitely far more improved than when I was starting or when some of my partners uh, were starting. So I'm very optimistic about it. I don't know that everyone necessarily is, but I know because of what we're doing, um, we advance it however we can.
0: Well, and it's exciting because growing up in the Valley, sort of the expectation was if you're a lawyer, you will come home and be the general counsel of your family business. So it's exciting that there are more law firms yes that are available because sort of to your point we were talking before we started i don't want to be the general counsel of the four people <laughs> in the family business i i would want to go to a, a fancy law firm um so that there so that it seems you know to spread your wings because there's only so much you can do especially if the if you're only working with your family uh, honestly i i just can't be the general counsel of my parents we're all always right well How would it, that work and you may always just be right because you're <laughs> that smarter. Smarter. Do you hear that. Yes. That's
1: it. I think that that's really <laughs> what's happening. However, if you were a young lawyer coming back to the Valley, I would want to, I'd really want to take you from your family business mm-hmm. because I believe so deeply in the mentorship that comes from it. I am personally navigating how to mentor this generation of lawyers because we joke. I don't want to tell you the story, how I trekked 50 miles in the snow with no shoes. That doesn't do anybody any good, Mm -hmm. but it is, and it can be challenging to find how to identify with a generation that was raised completely differently. You know, we were, I was the generation of the latchkey kid, not to say that I was a latchkey kid, but that was a generation that we grew up in where you just did it because you had to do it and there were no complaints about it. And so I think that part of what we're trying to do to bring back our young people is to offer mentorship with the hands-off component that they desperately crave. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. They need room to spread wings, but they also need to have, they need to have the safety net Mm -hmm. because I think that the practice of law is evolving so quickly, especially with the advent of so much technology, artificial intelligence. And so we who have been around for decades are having now to navigate it and figure out how to provide for our clients and stay within the confines. So I find if I were a young lawyer, I'd be daunted. Because not only am I trying to figure out how to be a lawyer, not only am I trying to figure out what the law says, but now I'm doing that with all of this technology. And even if they've grown up with it, it is different mm-hmm. to be on TikTok and to be on, so I don't even know what all the, the apps are. I'm so lame. But, but to have now the component of, are you going to use AI to create and to provide documents and services? My gosh. I wouldn't want to do it on my own without having someone explain to me and to have my back. Uh, So we are trying to navigate how to do that, how to bring everyone back. I would welcome young lawyers who are from the Valley, from South Texas, Dallas, Austin to consider firms like ours and areas like ours, because we are growing, we are thriving. It's a great place to start a practice you're going to be in a courtroom, you're going to have hearings, you're going to do things that you may not do in a larger city for years. But in a smaller city, you are definitely going to get out there and gain experience. And I think it makes you more valuable, more marketable if you eventually one day decide to leave me and go back to the big city. Uh, So whenever you're ready to head back down, uh, you have a job got a spot for you. Great. Done.
0: (laughs) Great. I'm in. Um, Well, it's interesting too that you bring up the AI because I would think especially as a young lawyer, you need someone that is well-versed enough to remember, how do you look it up in the library? Because I'm not anti-technology, but I am old school enough to think you should be able to write your own sentences and your own paragraphs right. with your mind. And then it concerns me, what if you're what if you're using chat GPT and it writes the brief and it's wrong? Well, did you not hear
1: about the disaster in New York? That's exactly what happened. Did you there hear you about no. this? Okay. So an attorney is either drafting or responding to a brief. This is in federal court, and he uses Chat GPT to do it. The sites were completely fabricated. Those cases did not exist. Mm-hmm. They did not know. So when the judge is asking for an explanation, additional information, they're completely stunned. They don't believe that ChatGPT created this fake set of cases, but it did. And so it's only as good as the information that gets put in, right? And so because it's so new and it's developing, not only do you have those considerations, complete fabrication of cases and case synopsis, But the privacy issues that go into what you're giving a third-party vendor. So as as older lawyers, we are obviously very cognizant of the ethics behind it, the privacy that goes with it, that a young lawyer may not necessarily have the experience. How would they know? How would they have the experience to think about those ramifications when they're in their first year of practice trying to figure out how to survive? So I think it's really difficult for them. And, and I applaud the initiative to go and hang their shingle. Do it. I think that's so great. Just make sure that you have a mentor, someone that you can reach out to, someone that you can run things by. I'm still a big chicken. I go in every day to my partners and say, listen, this case has been on my brain. Here's my thought. Let me run this by you. And every day I learn something new. 24 years in, I still wake up thinking, I don't know. Let me, let me go talk to the people that really do know. I mean, I think we all, if we're honest, always feel like we have so much to learn. We have to be open to the fact that we have so much to learn. And so tying back to women in the law, this is what I love about this group. You could shoot an email and say, "Listen, I know this is an area you practice. I have a client I need to send you or you know what? Here's what I'm thinking. I know you've been down this road. Tell me what you think." You cannot you just can't uh, replace uh access to experience. And when you have people who are willing to share it, why wouldn't you become part of that amazing network of people?
0: So if you join the section, Liz will be your mentor. I will do it. So (laughs) join. I will do it. Why has it been important to you to give back both at the local level and at the state level?
1: I think I, I have gotten to a point where I just acknowledge there has to be more that I can and should do. I think it's, it's, life in phases, you know, when you're young, you, you do, you love that. You can say you're a lawyer. You love to see that license hanging on your wall. And, and it means the culmination of so many years of study and it's the pride that accompanies it and how your family feels about it. And the fact that you get to say it. And, and I'm sure, you know, when your parents say, oh, this is my daughter and she's a lawyer, I mean, you can see the light beam from their face. And then you're learning, you're absorbing, you're billing, you're trying to make a name for yourself. And you're not really thinking about statewide, what other lawyers are doing, or at least I didn't. And, you know, my twins are 19, they're freshmen in college, and I have a 13 year old. And so nobody needs me at home. You know, we have been fortunate to raise these amazing human beings that are independent and um, out doing things. And so... I just remember thinking, now what? I feel like I have these amazing partners, this great firm, wonderful clients. There has to be more. What can I do? And it's just service is really all it is. Um, And I was sitting at my desk and the state bar put out, um, it was an e-blast. They were seeking nominations for at-large directors for the state bar. And I'm a big chicken. And I thought, I don't know that I'll ever get elected. Because I completely still have imposter syndrome, and I thought, but maybe if I submit an application and go through a, a committee selection, maybe that will work. And if not, then so be it. I don't have an ego about it. I've got to start somewhere. I will meet people this way, and and it worked out. Sylvia Berinda Firth, who um, was is just this amazing woman and uh, state bar president at the time, interviewed me and. I was so inspired, and I am so inspired by our female leadership and when she said, "I think that you're a good fit, I can't tell you what that felt like. Mm-hmm. It was really a validation um and again, coming back to the fact that you know in twenty twenty three here I am, the daughter of Mexican immigrants who didn't speak english um, on a position of Directorship at the state bar, and and I'm so proud of that, and so grateful for the lawyers that I've met, men and women, and at various levels. The young lawyers are so impressive; they're sort, oh, they are so organized and so put together. And I just wish that I could convey to everybody that it's not, it's not that you have this elitist group of people sitting at the state level you know, looking down, that's not it. These are wonderful people who give of their time. And it's a lot of time. It really is a lot of time and a lot of committees that they're involved in. And their, their biggest consideration is what can we do to help improve the lives of our lawyers, the legal services that they're providing, the things that they need in order to lawyer. Um, So at this stage, I just feel like, it's it's my time. It's my time to give back however I can. And if this year it's being a state bar director, fantastic. Being chair of women in the law, great. If next year it's something different, that's okay. I don't think I'll ever stop serving. It's just going to look different right now. It just happens to be at the state
0: level. Well, I'm so glad that you're in this position and doing what you do and inspiring people to be good mentors, to be good lawyers, to give back. Because um, it's easy to Work. It's a lot of work. Work is work.
1: Work is and it's work.
0: and it's easy to like sit and just spend your whole life doing work. So thank you for being one of the people that gives back. You're very, and sweet. that's encouraging other people to give back. Um. So at some point your term will expire. Yes. As chair. So what do you think is next for you? So when my term is up as chair in
1: um at the end of May, I still have one more year as a state bar director for the uh at large group, and so I will finish out that year. Um, I'm hoping to stay on the state bar in whatever capacity they'll have me, but if not, I will move forward to try and come back to the Hidalgo County, um, organizations. I love the women's bar section of Hidalgo County. They do really wonderful work. The Hidalgo bar has come a long way. I don't know if when you get back there, you have an opportunity to visit with them. Um, but I, I definitely will serve. I hate to leave the state bar. Um, I hate to leave women in the law, but I will stay on as immediate past president and um, hope to continue my work with International Women's Day. My goal is to eventually have a year where we have, you know, 20 or 30 cities participating simultaneously and to have that big jumbotron where you see, you know, the, the screens of all of the cities and all of the women participating. That's the goal. That really is my goal. So year two, I'm hoping everyone supports us and comes out so we get bigger and bigger. And for those whose cities we did not have volunteers for, send me an email. We want to get bigger and better. And, um, and I'll take community volunteers every day.
0: We can make this like New Year's Eve. <gasps> like when you see the different news stations that are like coming to you from Jacksonville, yes! Florida, coming to you from New York, coming from LA. I'm gonna help you with this. Well, We're gonna make this happen. You you heard it and saw it here. We're gonna make Hold it. Hold her to it. We're gonna make it happen. <laughs> I mean, we have equipment. We have, I'm gonna need one have, of these microphones, we have a camera, and a microphone. I will take the, the camera and the
1: microphone and the selfie stick, and I'm solid. I'm good to go.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for all you do, thank and you. thank you for being here today. You're
1: so sweet. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Appreciate it. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.